0: Okay. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for the panel on maritime technology startups. And um, I'm joined here with my panelists, Sean of Newark Venture Partners, Heyman of InnoPort, and Fabian of Flagship Founders. Um, I'm Marina Hedgipateras. I run a venture capital fund called TMV, and we invest in maritime startups as well as um, other industries. And uh, I'm excited that this panel is taking place today. I think when I started TMB back in 2017, I am pretty sure there wasn't any um, panel that would have been focused on technology. And in such a short amount of time, the industry has come so far and is embracing uh, startups and collaboration um, between tech. And so. Very excited to be here, and uh, I'm going to hand it over to the panelists to just do a brief background on themselves and their, and their companies, and then we'll take it from there. Maybe we'll start with Sean.
1: Great. Um, nice to meet you all. Sean Simons. I'm an investor over at Newark Venture Partners. Uh, Newark, obviously in Newark, New Jersey. You can hear my accent from Newark, New Jersey. Uh, we are early-stage investors on our second fund, been around since 2016, roughly. All of our LPs are in Jersey. Amazon is our anchor alongside with Panasonic, RWA, Barnabas Health, uh, Prudential, TD Bank, New Jersey Devils, and a few others. Uh, We write checks between one to three million uh, early stage, so pre seed to Series A. Uh, We are an agnostic B2B SaaS fund. However, I focus primarily on supply chain, maritime, ocean, ports, middle mile, uh, mining, and a few other more dirty offline industries. Um, No Marina for a while, so I'm excited to. Excited to be here.
0: Great. Thank you, Sean. Heyman?
2: Uh, I'm Heimann, and uh, I co-lead InnoPort, the uh, corporate venture capital arm of the Schulter Group. The Schulter Group is a German uh, uh, family-owned shipping company, fifth generation, with core business in ship owning and ship management. So we, manage, uh, we own a fleet of about 100 vessels, manage about 650. And uh, over the last uh, two three decades, we've also built a very broad portfolio of uh, service companies, mostly to aid the ship management side of the business. Uh, that includes a port agency in over 80 countries, uh, new building supervision, warehousing, and uh, ship supplies, uh, launch boats, uh, underwater hull cleaning and repair. So a very broad service portfolio. In uh, about fifteen years ago, we also started our own development company called Mary Apps, uh, to aid the uh, digitalization of uh, the shipping industry uh, and uh, then to, uh, to supplement that to see how we can actually uh, disrupt the industry. Um, we obviously need to look a little bit beyond the, the internal processes, so that 's when we conceptualized Innoport. The corporate VCM of the group. So we do early stage investments for the last four and a half years in uh, maritime port logistics supply chain um, startups and also usually seed stage, um, sometimes a little bit earlier, a little bit later, and uh, uh, like to invest fairly broadly and very actively. So we want to uh, engage with the startups uh, at an early stage um, to foster collaboration between the startups and the corporates to facilitate uh, the transformation in the, in the industry.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And Fabian?
3: Hi, I'm Fabian. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Flagship Founders. We are a Berlin-based um, venture studio. I don't know if you're all aware about um, the venture studio approach we are working in the earliest stage possible of starting starting a company a startup because we identify problems in the industry and then start the companies by ourselves we don't invest at least right now we don't invest in external companies but we started four ventures right now all focused on maritime tech and maritime software um, we partner with shipping companies for that um, yes and four ventures are alive right now
0: Thank you. And speaking of partnering with shipping companies, I think one of the biggest game changers in uh, the industry right now is the openness uh, for collaboration. And um, maybe Heyman and, and Fabian, you could talk to us a little bit about that collaboration um, with the Schulte Group and in uh working with different founders who might be from outside of the shipping industry. And, and Fabian, uh, with maybe even your recent partnership with Signal, and um, and how that collaboration is fostering innovation.
2: Sure, uh, absolutely. Col- col- collaboration is key between, and uh, there's certainly uh, some some disconnect between the, the startup world and the very conservative shipp- shipping industry. And we set up InnoPort specifically to to further collaboration. So, for us, the process is um, fairly straightforward. When, I, when we find startups that we think are interesting and can change how we do business in the, in the shipping industry over the next 5, 10, 20 years, we start um, a dialogue fairly, uh, very early on. And for me, that means I need to reach out to the different business units within the group and uh, gauge their interest. And then I get them talking together with, with the startups. To um, yeah, to make sure that our business units start thinking a little bit outside the box. If you do business the same way for the last ten or twenty years, uh, then it's uh, quite quite hard to change. So to really bridge that gap, to get that conversation going, it's it's very important that that we actively um, that that we actively moderate that process. And that is what we do from, uh, from, uh, from InnoPort, right? Um, at the same time, we need that dialogue to help the startups who are not, quite, quite often my founders are not directly from the maritime industry, to help them to understand this fairly unique uh, industry with unique characteristics. Right? And um, so the challenge here is really to align both sides. Um, once we have interest on both sides to collaborate, of course, then we try to come to pilot projects between the startups and, and the different business units. Ideally, uh, if, if successful, this ends in a, uh, in, in a commercial partnership. And here, one, one example from our portfolio would be Big Yellow Fish, that is a um, mental health and well-being and engagement platform uh, for seafarers and, and uh, a micro-learning and training app we have to talk to uh, the training centers, to the HR marine uh, guys internally. And for example, on the training side, it's uh, rather challenging because we're very experienced with a long history in, in training seafarers. We've got a pool of about 20,000 uh, seafarers uh, globally, right? So th- this, is, uh, and this is a very difficult, uh, yeah, uh, then it's very difficult to alter the status quo. So it takes time, but um, the conversation is going, the app is running on more and more uh, ships, and uh, we see collaboration uh, doing very well in this space.
3: On that topic, perhaps um, perhaps a personal observation um, at the the beginning. Um, I'm not from the maritime industry, or I am now in the industry for around four years. And as a venture studio, we have to start with a problem. So, so my job is, at the end, to talk to a lot of people in the industry and ask, Where, where's your problem? Where, which, which problems can we solve for you with, with digital solutions? And I am, or I was, or I still am, super, super surprised about the openness of the people. I was, when I started to do that, I was thinking, OK, there's a big shipping company. They're absolutely not interested in sharing their thoughts or their problems. Um, with, with us, um, but they are. And that's, uh, for me, a very, very interesting observation. Sometimes it's even like they say, finally, there is now a person or a company asking these questions, because these questions are important. Um, and what we do at Flagship Founders on the company builder level, we have a kind of strategy board where we bring our, our shareholders and our partners together from the maritime industry with dedicated tech, tech and VC experts. And um, I think it's a great, Great, great setup where, where a lot of interesting things are happening um, and every shipping company is bringing their main problem to these meetings um, to, to to get things started um, yeah and apart from that, because you ask for signal, um, for sure there are straightforward financial investments in us and in, in our ventures
0: and maybe just to elaborate, elaborate a little bit more, um, could you describe one of the four companies that you've um, that are part of Flagship Founders?
3: Yes, for sure. Um, now it's hard to pick one. Um, 044, perhaps some of you heard it, it's about um, CII and EU ETS management. The company is now one and a half years old. Um, they started with a classical CII prediction. That's not rocket science, to be honest. A lot of, lot of voyage optimization tools can do that. But um, the idea, and they launched this tool now one week ago, is to have a UETS management tool. Um, I don't want to go too deep into details, but it's a pretty big challenge for shipping companies and ship management to figure out who is responsible for handing in the certificates when you have a voyage into the European Union or, or outside. Um, and they, yeah, they give you this kind of accounting tool, so to hand in the certificates and to find a solution between charter and owner for who is responsible for paying which, which, which amount of money. Um, the company now, as I said, it's one and a half years old. Fifteen employees, approximately. They have um, a nice investment from, from Atlantic Labs, uh, industry at not agnostic VC. Um, yeah, but perhaps it helps you to, to to get a feeling of how lean we approach things. Yep.
0: Thank you. Um, and then Sean, over to you. I think uh, one thing that we've realized is, in terms of maritime VC investors, they're I probably count um, them on my hand in the U.S. that we you know, that are sort of institutional. And um, There's would, five of them, and four of them are on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think, and I'm happy there that we are, are doing it, but what do you think uh, needs to happen for the maritime sector to get even more exposure and capital?
1: Yeah, of, of, of course. Um, you know... When, one of the hesitations with Maritime, I think, from the venture capital side is a lot of them are just unaware. Uh, they're very, they think of Maritime, they think old school, giant international industry, w- which it is, right? Uh, and they kind of, kind of view that as a, we'll never be able to make returns. It's going to be a longer sales cycle. And there's not the best founders building in these sectors. There's not a why now. Um, and there's not really an urgency for us to invest in technology into these sectors. I think one thing that the maritime industry has been doing is kind of getting the why now piece out there. I think the IMO you know, changing the carbon um, CAI regulation in place has really pushed for more of this climate trend coming in. However, I think what maritime can do a little better job is being just a little more inviting, um, having more technology-focused days, working with associations such as the New York, New Jersey Maritime Association. I know I work with Stephen Lyman. He's constantly you know, carrying startups in the ecosystem to connect them to the right shipbrokers, ship carriers, and kind of just getting a little more awareness out there. Um, I think when you look at any other tech venture event, it's a lot of uh, young 25-year-olds wearing T-shirts, and if I look in this room, we're all wearing suits and ties. So, uh, you know, part of it is just kind of finding that middle ground, and where where does where does this industry need technology to get to that next step, um,
0: the next step? Thank you. Um, if you wanted to add anything,
2: Heyman uh, and Fabian. Maybe only to, to Fabian's comment on the, the openness to share ideas and data, and that I think where, where a venture studio like Flagship Founders is very important to support that process a little bit from the outside because shipping companies not necessarily are open to talk to each other about those, those approaches, and I think we need more of that. But for that, uh, I think uh, Flagship Founders can play a, quite a vital role to, uh, to moderate that a little bit further.
0: Thank you. Um, and then just to, uh, to jump off of that, too, in terms of your criteria when you're investing in the maritime sector, do you, how do you look at exit scenarios and revenue, and is it different than other sectors where, you know, the scale can be immense and the TAM is immense?
1: Yeah. Um, great question. The, the, uh, I'd say not just maritime, but all industrial sectors have a slower start when it comes to selling software into those sectors. It's a lot more trust, I, I always use the 80-20 rule, it's 80% trust, it's who you know, and that's how you're gonna get in the door. You look at other technology in Silicon Valley, it's a product-led growth model. Uh, you're charging $3, you're hoping 10 engineers use it, they tell their 10 engineers, all of a sudden you have a 5x multiple in six months, and Silicon Valley is used to that, they wanna see that. So part of it is back to the education piece, like look, this industry is massive. Okay, it's huge. It's not going anywhere. We had a recession. We're still moving stuff, right? Um, it's kind of getting that message across to these investors. And then back to the openness and willingness to work with these startups, get a little friendly with them, get these like initial contracts going. Um, and I think it's a bit of education also on the investor, just kind of understanding like, hey, this is a bit more of a waiting game, but these returns will happen. In terms of exits – Depends who your customer is, right? Who's who's actually who are you selling to? Is, is the carrier? Is the port? Ship owners? So, mm-hmm. there's very different ways you could sell it. That's I'm a seed investor.
3: I'll worry about that later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For for us, it's very important to be to be very to be very honest and aligned with everyone involved about exactly this about these market sizes and uh, the kind of back of an envelope calculation when we're thinking about a classical SaaS, so software as a service model, you can reach one and a half thousand dollars per vessel per month when you have a proper software that's around the, 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 the value you can reach. Perhaps you can reach two, but not ten. Um, and when you now do the math and multiply that with twelve and multiply this with around 55,000 vessels out there, you have a revenue pool, globally a revenue pool of around a billion. And in a global revenue pool of a billion, we should not promise a five billion exit. That will just not happen. And um, there is the opportunity to build very, very successful and very valuable companies. Um, There is the opportunity to build a company of 100, 150, 200 million valuation in these markets, but not a unicorn. And that is very important for us to, to, to make clear and a lot of VCs, especially from the US, are, are yeah, have problems to invest in these markets, I would say. Their economics are a little bit different.
2: Yeah, because of that, I think we, uh, VCs can't use, because of that limited market size, can't use the, the, the spray-and-pray approach that some VCs, agnostic VCs, have... Probably uh, adopted, but uh, for us, it's, it's it's a little simpler as a CVC. Of course, we, we also can look at the strategic value that investment brings. So we don't need to look at the inve- uh, the, the exit in uh, in five to ten years after after our initial investment. We don't need we don't need that exit. We can uh, exit. We can look at the longer term investment into those startups. Uh, really help them get a fit uh, in the door in the market. And then, uh, and then uh, work with them uh, over a longer period of time. So that's the benefit of being a CVC, um, so without that pressure of the of the agnostic VC's or financial VCs.
0: Thank you. Um, I wanted to move over, and we touched on it a little bit, um, Fabian, but onto um, sustainability and, and the large focus on decarbonization um, in in the sector. And perhaps you could. Talk about a few other companies that you're seeing and, um, and your view on those, those companies and focusing on sustainability and technology um, that's going to help. Start.
3: I can start. Um, I have to say, as I said at the beginning, we are not investing in other companies. So um, we are not screening the market in the way you you, you guys are doing. Uh, What is important for me, um, perhaps you to this round as well, is to say, okay, there are so many, and we we heard about this um, in the panel before downstairs, there's so much bus or so much things going around, alternative fuels, alternative propulsion, um, how exactly that will look like and how that could be um, financed. I believe there are so many opportunities for that topic from a digital and operational perspective. Uh, when, when we think about, and that's one topic we will tackle right now, about just-in-time arrival, there are still vessels driving as fast as they can to a port knowing that they will wait for five days. Um, when, when we think about um, the way f- freight and vessels are matched and how many ballasts ballast legs are happening out there, I think there is a huge saving potential, and that 's why we are focusing on the digital part of it and not so much on the on the hardware and uh, yeah proprietary part of it
2: yeah I think we can we have to 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 separate that uh, the, the, um, those clusters a little bit so for one of course we we have uh, hardware investments for uh, for any technology that relates to new builds right <laughs> uh, but the, when we talk about new um, new engine types that can run on methanol, ammonia, etc., this is n- nothing where, where we see a lot of startups. However, related to that, we do see some startups uh, very R&D heavy, of course, in, um, in, um, in green and uh, synthetic fuels because one of our challenges in the industry is, of course, the fuel availability. All the Orders that we have currently in the market for dual fuel methanol. We don't have enough green methanol in the world currently. The current production does not cover uh, the demand that we, or the, the order book that we have currently in that, in that segment. So we definitely need investment, uh, investment in, in that. And we do see uh, both on the green and the synthetic uh, methanol, one, which is important since we have more clarity than I would say two years ago uh, that methanol will be coming. Um, right? So, uh, part of the fleet will, will run on methanol, so we need the fuel supplies. Um, then we have uh, hardware for the existing fleet, which is extremely important, because uh, obviously asset life 25 years, we need to see what do we do with the existing fleet, how do we decarbonize make it more fuel efficient. So there we have on one side, of course, the, the, the uh, retrofits, scrubbers, etc., there are few startups in that space a few that are actually successful. But uh, then there is um, the, the topic of biofouling of course which is uh, extremely relevant for fuel efficiency. So we see uh, companies uh, that, that work on paint uh, there, there, there are various uh, players that work on, um, on 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 very efficient paints. There are hull cleaning uh, companies like, like uh, let's say, Nakai from from Israel, for example, that work very early on when when sort of just removing the the slime before actually biofouling uh, has a huge impact. Working on, on on vessels when they're actually on the go. So there are many players in the market, again very few that are success- successful when the vessel is actually on a voyage. There are a few, um, a few more on the, on the hull cleaning side, uh, since also regulation comes up in many more ports that you need, uh, that, that, that you can't use divers, that you need actually ROVs to perform the hull cleaning. Um, then thirdly I've got obviously the software part that Fabian also mentioned, uh, that we can use to improve uh, operations and, and increase fuel efficiency. This is a, a fantastic topic actually because we can actually use pure software solutions to increase uh, fuel efficiency. There's a lot of room for that. One one of our portfolio companies, Signal, they use uh, data analytics uh, and uh, algorithms and nudge mechanics to give actionable uh, actionable insights to crew to really uh, change trim RPM heading slightly to have uh, a very good um, improvement on the fuel efficiency side. um, They are already operational and and active with uh, various owners and fleets. Um, and uh, showing very promising results. Um, others, like like Amphitrite, look on a very granular level on, uh, on, on, on on weather routing and sort of minimally changing the the the, the routes um, to um, to uh, not to face strong currents. Also, very promising solutions. Very early stage, but uh, something that will that will uh, even come more in the in, 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 in the future. And then, of course, we have software that is more looking at the compliance side of things. There we have 044 that Fabian mentioned, of course. Um, they are working also with our development company, Mary Apps. And uh, these are sort of, the, sort of the, the groups of technologies I see currently in the market looking at, specifically, the topic of sustainability and decarbonization.
1: we go? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the, the, you guys pay both basically the main... Pieces. I think there's distinction between software and hardware. Um, hardware capex, there's no question about it, from early stage investor, takes a lot of money. There's a lot of the things around retrofitting, barnacle scrapers, bolts, hole cleaning, hole painting. Um, question earlier, you mentioned around like VCs being a little shy. That's going to be one of them, right? The, those are longer sales cycles. Takes a lot of investment up front, uh, when, especially if you're talking robotics. Um, where I view a lot of opportunity, and there's a lot of greenwashing in all of climate technology, uh, whether it be credits or other things, is the, just getting from Web 1 to Web 2, right? How do we just get software in place? A lot of these ports just got internet. How are we starting to think about cybersecurity? You can't really start implementing all this new wave of technology before we get the basics down, right? Um, I think as ships start to get retrofitted, how are we going to start ordering more parts and services? One of uh, Marine's company, Skip's right? How do you create easy B2B, you know, vertical SaaS platform where, you know, both the uh, port agents and the suppliers can easily get into the flow of procurement so we can get the ship back out at sea? Um, That's where I'm thinking a lot of, you know, how do we get to the next step within climate? Um, Yeah.
0: No, that's a really good point. I think um, there are different steps to take, and it's really just getting adjusted yeah. even to putting new technology um, on board. And um, But speaking of either cybersecurity or procurement, um, can you talk to us, maybe starting with Sean, about uh, apart from sustainability, what else you're seeing within the industry? Uh, we were just talking about insurance earlier.
1: So. Yeah. Uh, I look at everything within stuff that's moving, which is supply chain around the four flows, the flow of information, the flow of documentation, the flow of finance, and the flow of the actual asset good. And more often than not, you need to focus on two of those to really start implementing into a workflow of whatever team it be. Um, I think one big bottleneck within all of shipping is documentation. Um, we were talking about Elating earlier, Serco, uh, right? Is that the name? Uh, Securo. Securo. Uh, w- one of TMV's uh, portfolio companies is you know, digitizing that entire process. Once you get into the documentation flow, you can actually have more visibility in where stuff is coming from. You can then start getting banks involved. You can start lending properly on top of where those documents are coming from and where those ships are coming from. So I think just digitizing a lot of that information flow, you can start underwriting more of the uh, shipping industry as a whole.
2: Yeah. yeah, very important topic since uh, obviously our engagement goes beyond decarbonisation and, uh, and, and that topic actually overshadows quite a lot of the uh, discussions that we actually see in the industry. Uh, as I said, we are, we are one of the uh, large crew managers in the industry as well, so uh, with our uh, pool of crew we need to focus on people, they are a key resource and we also look for technology that can uh, improve uh, the, the the crew management side of things so that uh, can go uh, in the direction of mental health uh, medical services uh, welfare uh, training safety and everything that also makes life on board the ships a bit more bearable i mean especially covid has shown how, how difficult life is for seafarers on the vessels and uh, there are certainly certainly solutions out there that, that make things uh, uh, make things better uh, another part, um, you mentioned uh, obviously uh, just-in-time arrivals for ports, uh, supply chain visibility and, and ETA predictions, uh, a very important topic. We've got Portcast, for example, in that, uh, in that space. Um, they, are, uh, they have various customer groups which is usually good uh, for, for scalability of those businesses. Some of their customers are producing businesses that uh, need the, the ETA predictions for capacity planning, etcetera, at the same time it works for ports uh, that really need to know when does the ship arrive to um, to, uh, to come up with solutions that, uh, that, that, that help us with just-in-time arrivals. Right? We can also look beyond uh, sort of the classic shipping and supply chain uh, uh, startups as well. We also invest in things like renewable plastics. We have ship, um, ship channeling and warehousing businesses and the amount of uh, Plastic we use for for wrapping goods for packaging goods and sending that on board is uh, it uh, uh, 's actually quite a lot, so we need uh, sustainable solutions for that, so we do invest in those as well, and uh, I would say they are quite related to the uh, to sort of the, 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 the blue ocean um, uh, sector as well, since ocean plastics is of course a, a huge environmental problem as well Thank you uh, to be honest,
3: not so much to add. Um, perhaps not from the industry sectors, but when you look from a technical perspective, we are very much looking into AI. I know it's a buzzword, but it we will... Have have it. <laughs> <laughs> it must be on this panel today. Um, no, it will change the way we work, and it will change the way how vessels will be operated, and, Sean, um, as you said, documentation is a topic, and, for example, AI will change how that will happen.
0: Thank you. Um, next, I just wanted to focus on the investors of your funds and, your, and um, whether it's direct or, or going into, um, into something like Newark Venture Partners. You mentioned, Sean, that your investors are all based in in New Jersey. Um, can you talk to us about um, who they are again and and why they potentially would be interested in investing in the maritime industry? And I'd love to go. Um...
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh context we're in our second fund first one was 45 million we doubled that fund to 88 million and we're about to close our third fund uh pretty much this quarter uh which projects to be 150 to 200. Uh, we are jersey guys uh but i'm not only investing in jersey if that was the case i'd be investing in just waste management uh to say the least (laughs) so um no, uh, Amazon is our anchor. Uh, Audible's HQ is in downtown Newark. The founder of Audible actually uh, founded the fund. So uh, that was the connection through Amazon. Um, the other, I'd say, more supply chain-oriented investors in our LP base, uh, Ball Manufacturing, Estes Logistics, Crane Logistics, Panasonic, uh, and a few others. We, uh, one thing you know, they're excited about Maritime, and when I developed the thesis probably roughly five years ago, uh, if you look outside in the city of Newark, I think everyone, you know, pretty much knows us for our airport, and that's about it. Uh, it's the, you know, the one that's closer to Midtown than JFK and LaGuardia. But what other people don't know is we're actually one of the busiest seaports in North America, right? Uh, we actually beat Long Beach in LA a couple months ago on the container side. Um, and if you go down there, I'm I'm from outside of Newark. Half my friends work on barges or in the in the yard themselves. You know, they're blue-collar guys. They are – I talk to them about technology, and they laugh in my face, right? Um, they're like, Sean, dude, like, I, I just go on Instagram, and I'll check it there, all right? I'll need to listen to you telling me about technology. So uh, when you kind of, like, then look through more of what's happening in Jersey, uh, it's Amazon's third biggest fulfillment state. We're an hour from Philly, hour and a half from – a couple hours from D.C., you know – 20 minutes from downtown Manhattan, we are in one of the busiest logistics hubs uh, in the nation uh, on the East Coast Corridor. So, you know, when we start looking at, you know, how we can win deals and where we can actually make an impact and get, you know, really quality founders, I I don't want another trucking company um, at the end of the day. Let Omaha and Nebraska take care. Let, Let Chicago take care of that. I want to be in the ocean space. So that's what we really get our LPs excited about.
0: Thank you, um, Heyman. I know you know being part of the Schulte Group. I'd love to just talk to you about outside investors or how or or how you know you're thinking about um, funding the companies. If it's just going to be in house, I think something that's really important is as an example showing that um, you're interested and you've built this arm from a ship owner. In order to look at innovation, just like Signal Group has with the Martinez family and and others. But I'd love to get your perspective coming from a ship owner.
2: Yeah, I I mean, InnoPort, of course, is a single LP. So we only have, we are are 100% subsidiary of uh, of the Schulte Group. So uh, for us, and and this is also how it's supposed to stay. So we act only on behalf of the Schulte Group, but it is very rare that we actually do Mm -hmm. investments in startups. Uh, on our own. So we love to co-invest with, with other investors from, from the industry, or uh, also with, with other CVC arms uh, from, from other shipping companies because we really believe that the collaboration between, uh, b- between the players uh, in the industry is key to innovate. Uh, and this is something that is, is, is hard to achieve in, in, in this very conservative industry. Uh, but we also then, of course, invest, co-invest with, uh, w- with other more agnostic funds. Uh, we work with venture studios like Flagship Founders. We work with TMV um, on, on investment deals. And uh, I think that, that this is really uh, the, the, the challenge to bring the right group of investors uh, to, to build those companies, to give them the, the right foundation to scale, so also to become more attractive for, uh, for, for, um, for financial VCs.
0: Kevin, do you want to add anything on, on your end? I know you've got some uh, partnerships that... Uh,
3: we, we, I would say we have a nice shareholder or investor structure um, very much from, from Europe, small and medium-sized shipping companies um, on the one-hand side and to tech experts VCs on the other-hand side um, and would be happy if the U.S. But, will be stronger on it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm looking. <laughs> We've got uh, just about a minute or two left. I wanted to open it up to the audience. Great.
2: Yeah. So I'm sorry. I've, I've I've certainly seen uh, one or two, but uh, the problem with those uh, startups uh, it is not the uh, it's usually not the ship owner and the uh, charter ship manager to invest in those solutions because we obviously face competition all around the world. Um, there are some initiatives uh, but they are uh, more on the on the NGO side than than actually on the uh, on the VC side that we see. So I've seen one or two that look into those stuff, but they more look for, for public funding um, in that space. Yes, thank
1: you. Over the past few years, we have seen this upswell of investment in maritime tech. How does AI now change the market? You mentioned AI. I'm to start with that. Um, <laughs> I can take a stab at it. The, um, I think when with any hype investment, there's going to be a lot of BS. To be honest, right? What's coming into it? I think with AI specifically, we're at this wave where it has in the past ten years gone to a point where it actually is applicable and you can actually use it. Uh, I think it's about sifting through which data the AI is going to be reading. Uh, we have a company, Ocean Freight Exchange. It does uh, bulk commodity shipping um, between Southeast Asia routes, right? Um, they right now are scrubbing everything from weather data to historical data to um, port management data, emails, and they're better predicting the better prices, routes, fuel costs. They're using AI to basically dictate that. It took a while to get the AI language model to get that more accurate pricing. Um, and I think it's going to be use cases like that. Um, now, how many of these AI solutions are going to be more point solutions or actual companies? This is going to be a next question? So how many of them are actually going to be, you know, in the actual workflow? or is this kind of just like, "Hey, you know, this is nice to have, but I got a guy in London who does all my brokering, and I really don't need to use the AI, to be honest. So: Great.
0: Right. I think we're out of time. Any more, any more questions. Okay, well thank you to our panelists, thank you to the audience and Capital Link for joining us today.